0: Where are U.S. banking institutions on their roads to EMV migration? Here's Stephanie Foucault and Mike Urban of Fiserv talk about steps they're taking to ensure banking institutions are well prepared. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Stephanie and Mike, can you give our audience some background about where exactly the U.S. is in its migration toward EMV?
1: Right now, where we stand in the U.S. market is there's still some challenges that we are being faced as an industry because of the multiple networks that we have in place.
2: So there's
1: a common AID that needs to be defined in order for us in the U.S. market for all the different networks to know how to route and handle an EMV transaction. So until that, we're still in a wait mode to see how we can migrate um, to EMV. That, and in addition to Judge Leon's ruling on Durban, we are still waiting to see if we have to have multiple networks on the front of the card, which will significantly impact how we issue those EMV cards. In the EMV market, from Pfizer's perspective, if there is a need to handle a EMV transaction for a specific group of cardholders, From a financial institution's perspective, we can certainly issue those cards and handle those transactions, realizing that once these challenges that we have in the U.S. market are solved, they'll
2: have to reissue those cards. I would say that institutions today are, are looking at where EMV makes sense to them. So what we've seen is a lot of issuers that have Frequent travelers outside of the United States who require chip and pin capabilities in order to use their cards, uh, particularly at unattended kiosks in parts of the world that have already migrated to chip and pin. So institutions are really taking a targeted look at particular client bases, or segments within their card customers and targeting those specific places today. Stephanie said, what are some of the more operational network abilities? What What is the impact to interchange from a business perspective that institutions are still looking at uh, the investment there and as well as the merchants are also, you know, looking at the investments that they would have to make on that side as well.
0: Stephanie, you oversee fraud at Fiserv. How would you say banking institutions should start planning for the so-called fraud balance, where we expect to see this uptick in card-not-present fraud as we see a reduction in fraud linked to skimming once EMV is implemented? Today, the
1: U.S. market is seeing a increase in fraud from not only card-not-present, but counterfeit fraud as the bordering countries have migrated to EMV. So some of the best practices that we've been sharing with our financial institutions is to do things like look at their expiration term and make sure that they have a non-multiple um, of 12 for the expiration term, because then it's harder for the fraudster to guess what the expiration date is. Because you know we all know they'll purchase data regardless if their um, expiration date is good or bad, and then for The card-not-present type of fraud, that's still a challenge. It's hard to identify, you know, whether it is a good transaction or not. So with a lot of fraud strategies that we put in place to help limit the types of transactions, we know typically the type of card-not-present transactions that have a tendency to be fraud. So we'll put different limits in place and that limit the number of transactions. There's certain combinations that will um, decline that we identify as typical fraud. But the card-not-present fraud is still a challenge. We strongly encourage financial institutions to have their cardholders enroll in 3D security. For Visa, that would be verified by Visa. MasterCard would be MasterCard Secure Code because it does add an additional layer Uh, But that only is as good as if the merchants themselves are enrolled in the program. But it does help reduce some of that fraud when both the merchant and the issuer are enrolled in the program.
2: And from a future fraud perspective, as Stephanie said, there's increases in card not present fraud today already. There's increases in skimming fraud where that data is getting captured in other parts of the world, and then the fraud is, is actually executed in the U.S., I think that as we go through this migration and become EMV compliant, have all the cards EMV capable and the terminals EMV capable, I think that what we're going to see is some shifting of fraud losses from a card perspective within a financial institution that will appear that the losses are going down from a physical point of sale side of things, which is great in the card group, but we actually expect that there's going to be a shift into check fraud. Check fraud has not really gone away, even though checks are declining. I expect to see, and and I've heard from other financial institutions and people engaged in this industry, where they're expecting that those losses are going to start to shift to other parts of the financial institutions. So check being an obvious one, I think the other area that we're going to see increases is around first-party fraud and that's where criminals are creating synthetic identities, obtaining lending products. We saw that very large bust about a year ago, uh, the $200 million bust in uh, North Jersey, where uh, the criminals were basically using synthetic identities, getting credit cards and other lending products, using demand deposit accounts to uh, create histories, to make payments on things. So I think that really financial institutions, what they're going to have to do is is think about how they're monitoring for check today and really looking a lot closer uh, at cross-channel fraud and understanding who they're onboarding along the way and looking for anomalies and sometimes you know, anomaly could be someone who is just too perfect in their account behavior because it could be that that's actually a groomed account that criminals are using for uh, other types of fraud purposes.
1: And Mike, I wanted to add one more two thing to that for the future is Visa has already announced and um, MasterCard is also looking at single-use tokens for online transactions where the cardholder can instead of using the card number a token would be number would be tied to that merchant and the card which will help reduce some of the fraud losses for online so it'll be interesting to see how that project and that announcement evolves and what kind of impact that has on the card not present fraud
0: so let's talk some about debit specifically what about this migration to debit and stephanie you touched on it earlier Where do you see the U.S. as far as timelines are concerned, or is that difficult to even kind of project at this point based on where we are with some of the legislation?
1: Yeah, Tracy, that's a little bit difficult to predict right now. Now, Visa and MasterCard have set some liability shift dates for 2015 and then gas terminals and ATMs for 2017. So right now the financial institutions are feeling uneasy because they feel they should already be working on EMB migrations to meet those liability shift dates. Visa and MasterCard have not indicated that they're going to change those dates yet, but none of the major financial institutions or the merchants at this point have a big, strong push to go EMV until these other issues are resolved. So it'll be interesting to see if Visa and MasterCard change those dates as we get closer and closer to them without a lot of these other challenges resolved. But right now, there's no specific timeline. And even if we had a financial institution try to register a project with Visa to stop their migration and the Visa had recommended that they wait, until these other challenges are resolved. So Visa and MasterCard themselves aren't really pushing major projects through right now.
0: Do you think the U.S. might leapfrog to mobile or some other type of payments technology rather than relying solely on cards?
1: And that's a very interesting question. I was at a Visa meeting um, not too long ago, and that was the exact point that was brought up, why a lot of these other countries that have already had EMB programs in place for a while are beginning to shift to a mobile application. The question is, should the U.S. just go straight to mobile solution instead of the chip card? And right now, we don't see that as being the trend because in order to go to mobile, you still need that same technology that um, is going to be used in the mobile device. So there's still a lot of work that we would have to do anyways. So the direction right now is to go with the card. Uh, It'll be a while before all the merchants and everybody is fully capable to handle a mobile channel. So I think in the US we may see a combination of both, but I don't think the chip card itself is going to go away. It will be a dual purpose card. So it'll have the chip technology as well as the mag stripe as we know it today uh, because it will take quite some time to get all the merchants and ATMs in the U.S. fully EMV capable. So I think in the U.S. market, we will go with the chip card, but I also think that we'll see some of the larger financial institutions um, do a mobile solution as well.
2: I think it's optimistic to think that cards will just go away. Cards are so ubiquitous. People have multiple cards from multiple issuers for multiple reasons, and not 100% of those card-using members, if you will, are going to be ready to switch to, to mobile phone right away. So it's almost like if we look at check within the U.S., there's a lot of people who continue to use checks. Even though it's declining, it's still a significant volume of activity, and it just doesn't seem realistic. To think that we can not move to EMB, support the rest of the world, and just catch up with technology and jump right into the phone, I think that's a little bit too much of a leap at this point in time. Certainly, I think they'll be complementary and they'll have particular uses where someone will use a phone for transactions and they may want to use a card for other transactions. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
0: You've just finished listening to the first part of a two-part interview about the U.S.'s migration to EMV. Be sure to check back for part two, when Stephanie Foucault and Mike Urban discuss the impact virtual currencies could have on the U.S.'s EMV debit migration and the ongoing challenges U.S. card issuers and processors will face from a fraud and liability perspective over the next several years. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.